Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Vanderbilt Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, brought to you by betonline.ag. In the Music City, I'm Matt Perkins, and I'm joined, as always, by Commodore legend and NFL vet Ryan Seymour. Ryan, What's up? good to see you as always, buddy. Good to see you too, Matt. Uh, you can't see it on the podcast. Ryan is rocking a, a pretty sweet sweatshirt over there. Yeah, you know, team issued, still hanging in there. It's like down to its last thread, but, uh, you know... Just, just rocking team issue, you know what I'm saying? Those are the best ones, though. Like, you know, especially once they're yeah. like all when they're kind of threadbare. Like, they just, they, they just like have like conformed to your body at this point. Well, you know, it says Vanderbilt football, my number, and people are like, hey, did you play football at Vanderbilt? And you know, <laughs> part part of me wants to be like, dude, can't you read? Another part of me is like, yeah, you know, yeah, I did. <laughs> But I also, did. like, you see, like, a, like a, like a built six foot four, six foot five dude walking around with that shirt on. Like, odds are, like, let's put, prob- let's put two and two together. Yeah, Bruno, yeah. How, Bruno, how many guys? Oh, sorry, we haven't made introductions. Uh, Bruno, well, Bruno well, Reagan with us this, this morning. Yes, we are joined up, once again by uh, former Commodore offensive lineman, XFL player, judo champion, VandySports.com contributor, all around uh, badass, Bruno Reagan. Man. What's up, Ryan? You, I'm surprised that thing still fits you. Honestly, you gotten skinny on me. So, Bruno, how many people come up to you? Hey, man, how, how tall are you? <laughs> Quite a few people, <laughs> and I, I'm short. I'm considered short for for our deal. So, but for the normal person, yeah. oh yeah, I'm like a I'm like a monster. Whoa, what are you, man? Bruno? Like six three, six four, six three. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, that's that's massive. Because every single guy out there. That didn't play sports is like, yeah, I'm six four. I'm like, dude, you're like maybe, <laughs> yeah. you're like maybe six foot. He's like, yeah. no, dude, I'm, I'm like six four. I'm like, dude, I promise you, I've been measured more times in my life than you have, and I am six four, and I've got at least three inches on you. You're like, dude, you got to be six seven. I'm like, nope. no, no. <laughs> yeah, may, may, maybe you're six four in basketball shoes with two inch lifts, but right. you're not six yeah. four, bro. So yeah, it's it's weird being the short one on the podcast when I'm I'm six two six three, so you know. But hey, what are you gonna do? Uh, before we jump into the show, I want to remind you guys that we are brought to you by our presenting sponsor, BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. They've got you covered for news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head on over to the website BetOnline.ag. Or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus for your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, we also have a, a new uh, a new sponsor here on the pod, which I'm really excited to announce. Are any of you guys fishermen? Do you guys fish? Bruno, do you fish? Right, in high school, fisherman. I used to fish a lot. And now that my buddy EJ has moved back, I'm starting to get back into it. Ryan, you, you fish? I just fished yesterday. But oh, well, I didn't catch anything because my dog kept jumping in the pond and <laughs> scaring all the fish away. Well, then you guys will be excited that uh, about our newest sponsor, Monster Bass. Monster Bass. Monster Bass is the fun and affordable way to get the best new baits for the from the fishing industry's top brands delivered to your door each month. They've got a premium subscription fishing company that handpicks the best baits based on where you live and where you fish. It's all tailored to you. No more guessing on what baits are going to work. Just leave it to the pros at Monster Bass. It's like having nice. your own. 
it's, yeah, it's like having your own fishing guide and it's changing the way bass fishermen shop for baits. They're quickly becoming the number one fishing brand for anglers everywhere because they've got the best baits, the best brands, and they've got the industry's best customer service. So if you're interested in catching bigger bass this season, head on over to monsterbass.com and use our special promo code VANDY10 to get 10 bucks off your first box. That's monsterbass.com promo code VANDY10. Sign up for Monster Bass now. Dude, yeah. that's legit. I am absolutely going to utilize that VANDY10 promo code. How yeah. nice is it not having to like think about it. You can just put it in your area and they know exactly what you're going to be fishing year round. That's pretty, that's pretty legit. Yeah, it's pretty legit. I, I'm a little bit more of a fly fisherman. Uh, I, I, try, I go up uh, with some of my <laughs> buddies. Fly fisherman. So you yeah, don't catch and, anything. Uh, <laughs> no, we, we, we have a grand old time. We go up to uh, Wyoming, Montana every year. Uh, me and a couple his, my he puts his waders on there. I can see Me and a couple of my buddies there. from high school. Yeah, it, 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 it's a good old time. Um, Definitely uh, drink more beers than uh, we catch fish, but I think that's the that's entire fair. point. So that's the point. Yeah. So, Joe, so gentlemen, how uh, how did we look? How how was the spring ball game? I know. Yeah, Bruno, uh, you you were at the game, bro. So yeah. Well, I was at more. I've been. I was. I've. Uh, I've been at like five practices. I've been at all the scrimmages. I've been at the first two practice scrimmages. And I was at the spring game, and then in most of my write-ups, I was talking up uh, the defense basically and how much they looked improved. There's still a lot of depth issues. So in the first spring game, they're the spring practice scrimmage, I guess you could say. The the pass game for the offense hasn't hit at all this spring. I mean, it was. They were giving up a lot of pressures, which is normal spring stuff, right? New offensive line. A lot of the, the defensive pressures were hitting home. They were getting a lot of sacks, but the run game was doing well. I think Jadavion Marlowe in his first scrimmage, had he had uh, over 200 yards, right? But the defense didn't look too bad. They looked solid. In the second one, where they did the scoring to practice for the spring game a week out, defense dominated the offense. They looked awesome. And then we get to the actual spring game. And I mean, we're a quarter in and everyone in the press box is like, all right, can we like have a mercy rule to leave early for the defense? I mean, it looked awful. It looked worse than it ever been. And coach Lee, like he, he hadn't gotten to the defense any time that I seen, but he, he got into him on the field there because it was, it just looked awful. I mean, a lot of players just looked out of position, um, even from, I don't remember ever seeing, uh, some of the guys play where they, they played in that game. Maybe there were some more depth issues as you get to the end of spring. Uh, I remember I saw Michael Wusu, you know, on the inside of the linebacker position, there was maybe a misfit here and there. He's just trying to, you know, figure it out on the fly. It looked like, and then all, all of a sudden the pass game opens up for the offense. I mean, Mike white or Mike Wright puts two up over will Shepard pops on the scene. He has three touchdowns. Um, it was just utter domination, which sucks because, you know, you want to show off the only thing, the only people that lose in a spring game is Vanderbilt, right? Like there's a winner and a loser and it's both Vanderbilt. So people are going to find a reason to, you know, they're going to focus more on what sucked than what was good because the offense played really well. But I mean, the defense looked pretty terrible. So most people are just going to feel, oh, we got a terrible defense again. Right. And listen, the expectation for this team, like I'm, I've been sunshine pumpering a lot, but that's because we were just, oh, in 10. Right. I think this team, uh, this team's like this team's expectations, maybe three or four games. And if they go to a bowl game, that's like coach of the year potential for coach Lee. But, um, so I need to, I need to start, you know, pumping the brakes on what we're, on what we're expecting this season. Well, I mean, from what I saw when I was watching the defense, they were just a step slow. Like you talked about, they had some misfits. They just seemed to step slow, like the entire 
dead. They look like a high school team. Yeah, yeah and like they, you know, like they were slow to read, they were slow to react. The the DBs were getting burned left and right. I mean, we saw that. You talked about Will Shepard, Logan Kyle did the same thing to them. Like it was it it, it was really surprising, especially considering what we know about Coach Lee being a defense first guy. I expected to you know see the defense show out a little bit more. Yeah, and it's one of those things too, where you know how much of how much are they installed offensive and defensively, you know, and how much like it's at the end of the day, it's practice, right? You know, we could look at practice all day. We won't know how this team is until they play their first game. We won't know for sure, all right? But I mean, it just seems like from a personnel standpoint, the offense is a huge step over the defense right now, especially since Kaufman just left. I mean, at the wide receiver position, they have Logan Kyle, who had a really good game. He burst on. Will Shepard was another guy burst on the scene. They still have their three, you know, solidified guys Cam Johnson, Chris Pierce, Amir. Um, and my, that might be their only five receivers, but that's all you need at that position, right? They have they have they have five really good receivers. Uh, running back position, they have Marlowe, they have Davis, just burst onto scene. Davis reminds me a lot about your old teammate, uh, Seymour, uh, Jaron Seymour. Was that his name? Yeah, Jaron? yeah, yeah. He reminds me a lot of him. Short, stocky, somehow elusive. He's a bowling powerful. ball man. Yeah, like... he reminds me a lot of him watching him play because I would watch Ryan's teams play all the time because I because I was getting recruited by them, and he reminds me a lot of him. I mean, Seals Seals played extremely well on the offensive side. He's played well all camp. It's kind of one of those things where he hasn't lit anybody up, but he's he's making the right reads and he's not making any mistakes. Like earlier in the spring um, season. I was watching Mike Wright play and there'll be times where he would roll. He just loves using his legs, right? You know, he's athletic dude. So obviously he wants to, but it's, you know, practice is the time to practice your reads, practice your throws, stuff like that. So he would roll out or he would, I remember I counted like four different times straight on the first spring scrimmage that he would look downfield, run, look downfield, run, look downfield, run. And that's a good thing to keep the defense on their toes every now and then, but you got to throw the ball downfield. You, you know, you're just going to have to do mm -hmm. it in this league. Uh, your legs aren't going to work, especially against, you know, it's, it's, it's like, um, would you say he lacks pocket presence? Would you say that he doesn't, uh, I mean, maybe feel comfable, I guess, kind of hanging in there and wait until the no, wait until the, uh, the routes kind of develop more than I would, I would have said that except at the spring game, it looked like he didn't lack pocket pocket presence at all at the spring game. He looked, you know, he looked really good. He just looked like mm -hmm. a solid quarterback. I think seals is their guy. And I think, uh, Mike's going to be, you know, he's training to be the backup. Basically. That's what I feel like. I don't feel like one good spring game is going to, you know, project you over seal. Like it's seals job to lose and he didn't lose it this spring. That's the way I see it. Do you I think seals even... is getting some pressure from right? You know, I think he honestly, a little, a little healthy competition never hurts. No, he, and he shouldn't be comfortable at all. I mean, I like seals and I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, do you think the way once, he's progressed, but do you think, they, sorry, I'm sorry, but I just was kind of thinking, I, again, this is kind of probably think way, way too, this is kind of way too early to tell, but you think um, if Seal sees any adversity this year, do you think Wright might be, you know, thrown in the game pretty quickly, pretty early on, or do you think they're going to let Seals ride out for a few games? Or I guess we'll, that's kind of an early question. It, but yeah, no, I think it's a good question though. If you ever ask me personally, you pick a guy to go into the game, and you know, you go into the game unless it looks like all hope is lost and you need a spark. But you don't pull what, you know, we had with South exactly. Carolina in 20. I don't know if you were watching the South Carolina game in 2016. I, I'll never forget it. Me and Kyle got pulled. We it was weird. Zero, zero. We go down there. I mean, we just drive down the field. We score seven to zero. We're pumped up, right? Um, 
actually it might have been to go up 14 to zero we might have already scored so we're up 14 to zero and me and kyle get pulled for wade and you know another offensive lineman and you know the momentum just dies right there and i'm just like ah oh. and, and more way more kyle than me right i'm just right left guard but i'm just like why in the heck did we do that man i just want to avoid things like that you pick a guy to lead this team and you let him lead it to the end you see let him see a game to the end or something if there needs to be a change made then you make it there i don't think uh this needs to be a team where you know Obviously, Mike had, Mike played well, and it might be, you know, if there's a chance for him to play, maybe he slides out, you know, and he can still be the backup quarterback because he just earned the chance to play. But at the same time, I think there needs to be one quarterback out there running the offense at all times for the best energy for that team, right? They need to figure out the red zone. They were abysmal in the red zone with Ken last year, so they would bring in Mike, and Mike would, you know, do really good things, and he'd get the ball into the end zone. He would find a way every time. But when it came down to driving the field, Ken, Ken, his unit did just fine. So they need to just find a way to get that red zone figured out. Have Mike, you know, be trained up. Well, Mike needs to keep competing for that job. And I mean, he showed he yeah. can play. He showed he can play this spring. I mean, because the first question people start asking me when I walk down to the field to, you know, get questions from Coach Lee is, hey, looks like there's a quarterback competition. I was like, well, I mean, we this is a spring game and it's cool and all, but like there, there have been 15 practices before this, right? So. Ken's played pretty consistent yeah, the entire spring. You can't show up there. You can't just show up on Saturday. Heck you know? <laughs> no. No coach is going to trust you, right? Imagine right. practicing it like six, imagine six days of practice and you're just like, hey, I don't know. Work if, out. I don't, yeah, I don't know if the guy, I don't know if the guy's going to show up or not, right? But um, right. he's, I mean, he's definitely a good, he's a good option and he's a good, you know, good. It's perfect for Ken. I mean, we need someone to push Ken, right? What well, better than so? What well, better? You don't want to be the guy thinking. Hey, you don't want to be the guy thinking. Hey, man, there ain't no one behind me, so I can just cruise. You know. Yeah, it's just I human nature. I don't got nothing to worry about. It's just human nature. He, you don't ever want to think I got in the bag. And what better than a guy who's you know his antithesis basically. You know, are running a little bit more athletic. And Ken's athletic, right? But Mike's a little more athletic. So what better is the antithesis to just you know? It's just a totally different skill set. So no matter how Ken does, if Mike does well, you know, there's always going to be that clash of right. oh well, who's who, right? So yeah, that's absolutely. A, that's a good I, breakdown. I, yeah, and I I think that it's interesting because we'll see. We saw Mike have very specific goal line packages last year. And I'll be interested to see with a new offensive coaching staff, do they have those kind of specific packages for Mike that they're using outside of the goal line? Do they have those that, you know, are they going to use them at the beginning of a drive as a changeup on third down? Now, like one of the things that you said, Bruno, like that can really throw off the rhythm of an offense. And so I don't, I don't envision that happening i i think i we'll hope see. that they, i hope we don't see that again this year you know I, if the only time i can ever remember something like that working was uh tebow's freshman year when chris leak was still the quarterback at florida mm -hmm. they won the national title with tebow basically being a uh you know a, a wildcat fullback who could uh, uh do a jump pass occasionally so i i don't envision that happening necessarily for for this Vandy team. And I, don't, I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer or a bad news guy. Right. But these are, those are programs with a hundred plus people and, you know, probably 30 or 40 of them could play in the NFL. Right. They were, and we're at, yeah. We're at Vanderbilt and there's about 65 dudes on the team and who knows how many of them are NFL guys. Right. So mm -hmm. 
for sure, for sure. And, and and one of those guys that had, you know, flashed a lot of potential in the defense. We mentioned earlier, Donovan Kaufman. He just announced the other day that he's going to be uh, transferring out. He's entered the portal. I think that's a big blow to the defense. He was, you know, as far as underclassmen are concerned, the biggest bright spot last season. That's really tough, man, because he was also a good returner. Like, I was I was really bummed to see that. Uh, Yeah, that's about worst-case scenario as we can get for the defense, right? I mean, who knows what it could have been. I think I don't think it was, like, any arguments or anything. I think he just saw – I think he just was like, I'm going to play the spring out and see how it goes. And, you know, if I like it or not, then I'm going to just see if the grass is greener on the other mm-hmm. side. Because he's yeah. a guy – he's sadly a guy that – there's a ton of people that enter the portal, and they just, you know, they fall into the – the great beyond the black abyss and they're never heard of or seen from again. They're not even in D one double a, not even a D two. Right. But he's a guy that's, you know, for all we know, Mason could have offered it to Auburn the second he hit the portal. Other, we could see like hometown LSU get into the mix. Right. Yep. That's, that's, that's one of those things where it's going to be hard to keep, then, you know, like what you see. And I think, I think coach Lee is a pretty nonsense. You know, everybody's the standard type guy. No one is, uh, no one is above anybody. And sometimes, you know, I think sometimes dudes are just like, nah, I'd rather go try and, you know, be the big dog at a big pond than just be the big fish at a little pond. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I know that he had a pretty close relationship with coach Mason and yeah. I know that the guy who was his uh, sort of like his lead contact in recruiting was Corey Phillips. And He's now recruiting coordinator, recruiting director at NC State. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a dark horse program to, you know, to for him to land at. But we don't need to get into uh, portal speculation here <laughs> today. We just uh, need to know that him transferring absolutely sucks, especially with the defense yeah. in the position it was in. Right. I like, mean, he was, you know, he he was probably going to be arguably the best player coming back on defense this year. Yeah. Yeah, hundred um, percent. As a true sophomore, which is kind of crazy. Um, well, enough about the glory boys. Let's talk about the important stuff. Let's talk about some big beef on the line. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of shuffling. This is the this is the line podcast. Yeah, this is the line podcast, and that's what we all we really care about. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of shuffling on the line that happened since last season. A lot. I mean, I you know we saw very few guys in the same spots. We've seen some transfers. Man, what who impressed you the most that you saw on the offensive line this spring? And what do you think our starting five is actually going to look like heading into fall camp? One guy that really stood out to me was Kiva Wesley um, at center. Uh, he, you know, as a as a true freshman, he didn't see the field much at all, but he was really stout. I, I noticed, and, and, and he held up really well in the interior. So the two people that impressed me the most by far, and when I say impressed, I don't mean they played the best, but I mean they played better. They played above my expectation right was kivo number one and then julian hernandez the backup mm. center as a close number two i mean whenever kivo was I, the first practice i went to in the first scrimmage i was looking at julian i was like dang man this guy could start this guy could play um he just has to you know he has to figure it out young cat i think part of the reason a lot of the pressures were hitting home was because of things like miss ids and stuff like that and maybe not being too sure as a center man if you're wrong but everyone else is wrong with you you're right <laughs> and people need to understand that, right? A center is a good metaphor for being, it's like, it's like synonymous with being a high level executive in America. You just got to make decisions and just go with it, man. And then see how the cards fall afterwards. You can't spend all this time being anxious and thinking, cause next thing you know, you're going to blink one day and you're going to be in Notre Dame and you can't, you can't hear the guy who's five feet away from you. So you're just going to have to be that dude. And I think that's what they're looking for. And I think Kiva, and I was talking to people, the staff members about Kibo and they said he's been, you know, stepping up real well. The thing about Kibo was I look, 
look down on the field because I was up on that little raptor part on the indoor when I first saw him. And I looked down, and I was like, the dude looks like a pouncy brother. Like he just he's built extremely well. He's thick. So yeah, he's thick, muscular, tall, long Skinny arms. Angles. Yeah. So not well, <laughs> yeah, probably. But um <laughs> he's he has the build to play center. He looks like a prototypical center that the NFL would want, right? He's like he he reminds me a little bit of you, Ryan. He he's except not as fat when he was in college. He was he's a lot more. <laughs> he reminds oh, me. Of, he reminds me of your <laughs> NFL center days with Johnny Football. But um, oh, man. yeah. So so Kivo stepped up into the middle, right? So let's go left to right. They started out spring. It was for the most part all the way through. It was Steen at left tackle. It was Clemens at left guard, and then it was Kivo at center, and then it was Drew Birchmeyer at right guard, and then it was Ashmore right tackle. Now, Birchmeyer and Ashmore at right guard and right tackle haven't changed the whole time, and I thought they might want to move Drew a little bit, but it seems Coach Lee is a huge believer, and, you know, we need the offensive line to be the best position by far because it's what's going to drive the field, right? Drew is this guy who's he's been he's been there as long as, heck, I've been there. He's eternal, right? So having him on the line is valuable. Ashmore played extreme. I can't even complain about Ashmore. He played con- extremely consistent the whole season. The right side's pretty locked down. Um, Kivo went MIA at the second scrimmage, you know, right before the spring game a week out. So Julian stepped in to start. So I was like, huh, that's interesting. But you know, the spring game comes around. Kivo's right back in there. So I think there is a little bit of a competition at center. Kivo, they keep, they want Kivo to be the guy, but if he, you know, if he, if he messes up during camp, and they're like, I don't know about this guy. They're going to throw Julian in there, and they'll feel confident with him. Now, the left side's been mixed up a little bit. Tyler Steen really struggled during camp. He's, he, you know, he's a guy who's trying to take the next step. Both staffs really like the dude. You know, when I was there, my that staff, they were like, this guy could be an NFL-type guy, right? I don't know, maybe a tackle, but in the NFL, he'd probably have to move into guard. I don't think he's very tall enough. I don't know if he has the quickness for tackle, but he does have the prototype to play in, to play in the league. Um he just needs to find a way to put it together because he was at left tackle the entire spring, but then the spring game comes and me and Chris are talking. We're like, I think they might move him to guard. They move him to guard and then comes in at left tackle. They move Cole in there and then Steen starts struggling. And I'm like, dang, Steen's struggling a guard. It's once you get that position change, you know, you're on the tail end of, we need to, we're basically trying to throw a hail Mary with this guy and this doesn't work out. We're going to look at other options. So my prediction for the future is we're going to see Babst at left tackle, Cole Clemens at left guard and then Kivo at center. And they might, you know, I don't think they'll switch up uh, Ashmore and Babst from right to left tackle. I don't think that, I don't think that's that serious, you know, probably just let, let the cards play out as they are since Ashmore has practiced at right tackle the whole time. So that's what I, that's what I predict it's going to be. I think they're going to end up bringing in Babst. So it'll be Babst, Clemens, Kivo, and then we'll have Birch and Ashmore on the right side. Have we seen any kind of vocal leadership on the, on the O-line? I know you kind of talked about some of how, you know, some of the behavior and how some of the guys have been playing. Have you seen any kind of standout, you know, vocal leadership, I guess, amongst the five guys who we think are going to be rolling into rolling into this season? Yeah, we have. I mean, we see, we see it from Cole Clemens and Drew Bershmeyer, number one. I mean, those are guys that have been there the most, uh, and they've been, they've been doing it. Ashmore has actually, you know, really surprised me with how much he he's, they, they all have a lot of energy and you went to the practice, Ryan. I mean, those guys are pumped up, right? I don't think I've ever been, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen the team pumped up for a practice like that once in five years being there. Um, so all those guys have really, you know, stepped up. I think Ashmore Birch, 
um, Clemens, they've all had, you know, a serious vocal step. And with the twos, part of what surprised me with Julian was he was, you know, he was taking that role. He was playing when he was playing with the twos, he was treating it like the ones. And I think the reason I like him so much was because it reminded me of myself. I was just like, dang, man, I'm trying to just prove myself any means necessary. Mm -hmm. So that's what he seems like. He's, you know, he's doing whatever it takes. Um, because being a vocal guy, like you can't just not be a vocal guy. And I loved Grant, right? Grant, Grant Miller. I think he's going to play well. I think he's going to play in the NFL, but eventually, you know, you got to get over it and you have to be a vocal guy. I was never much of a vocal guy. And most people didn't want to listen to me, but you got to do it. If you're the center, right? You just got to do it. You got to do it. So, yep. I, I, so hopefully Kivo will take that step when he gets more comfortable soon, but he played really well, especially in the spring game. I mean, the offensive line played very well in the spring game. So as long as you're playing well, man, your money, your cash money. Absolutely, man. That's great to hear. It sounds like, uh, you know, you never know, I guess what the reasoning was behind the defense, maybe playing a slower or kind of step behind. It could be, it could be the offensive, you know, the offensive guys felt a little bit more comfortable with the game plan, knowing what to do. Obviously when you get a new coaching staff in there, a lot of these guys, when I first got Franklin's first staff and rolling into my first spring game, I mean, I still had questions about, you know, some of our offensive schemes and kind of what my rules were. And so, you know, you're playing a little bit slower and absolutely that can kind of transition to defense as well. You know, a lot of, a lot of times defenses read and react. Um, but if you can't get lined up or if you're not even sure if you're, um, you know, what plays are coming in from the sidelines, I'm sure a lot of that is going to be by signal. And so, you know, when you're thinking and playing, you know, that's a bad, that's a bad recipe. So, you know, it could have been some of that, you know, there's a lot of questions, like you said, Bruno, I guess, kind of going into the season about where we're going to stand defensively. You know, you said for the most part, they look pretty solid throughout the, the spring, um, but come spring game, you know, for whatever reason, they were just kind of a step behind. I'm not sure why that was. Like I said, it could have just been, you know, still maybe not sure with some of these schemes, especially with a lot of stuff going on that day, you know, ones and twos, um, um, you know, kind of in and out, in and out of the field. But, uh, but I'm, I'm really happy to hear what you had to say about the offensive line. It sounds like we're really starting to click up front. It sounds like we've got some good vocal leadership in the middle there at center. So kind of figuring some things out on the edges, but, uh, I'm really, really, I'm really, really excited. I hope that these guys can continue to get more confident as the you know rest of the year plays out this summer. They got even more time to get in the weight room, get bigger, faster, stronger. I think the thing I would like to see the most is that we continue to work on our footwork. You know, we, uh, we really want to make sure that we're, uh, the agility and the footwork is there because I think over the last few years, Mason's uh, kind of ideology was to just get bigger guys up front. And I don't think that's necessarily the best case all the time to just get the biggest guys and kind of maul people. I think this, I think football in general, especially from an offensive line perspective is transitioning more to athletic kind of guys. And it sounds like we're, sounds like we're there. You said, just kind of hearing you describe some of our players. Um, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like we're maybe getting away from that, you know, just kind of big, big guy up front and into the more kind of athletic type O lineman. Um, so it is exciting, man. I hope that these guys, the other thing I think I would like to see a little bit more of is, and you know, obviously you don't want to hurt your own guys, but some more chippiness, you know, I just want to yeah, see with, 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 yeah. with the comp, with the confidence, you know, is going to be, is going to, automatically make guys, um, you know, just want to impose their will, I guess you could say. And I just hope I see a little bit more of that throughout the season guys finishing, you know, finishing 20, 30 yards down the field, 
piling guys up, you know, pancaking guys. No, I get you know, it. Getting, getting in their faces, you know, when the ball's thrown. Just, I, I, I want to see more of that. There was one. So there was one play from the spring game where um, I think somehow, some way, Seals gets down on the ground, right, and he's wrapped up. He got tackled when he's probably not supposed to, and then it was either him or Davis. But I specifically remember I was like, if that was me and Kyle, oh, I th- it was some 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 idiot some idiot D lineman like shoves off of him. He's pumped up, right, and it's you don't do that. You know, you do that in the NFL. Have bye bye. You're getting cut. Any no. This year? no. See, I don't it's, know. I, I, I know this divide. <laughs> this divides a lot of players because I was like, I was, I was foaming of the mouth. I was like, oh, if anyone ever did that to Kyle when I was on the field, it's on site, you know. Oh but maybe, God. maybe, maybe Coach Lee is like, if you fight, I swear to God, I will hang you from your shirt from the from the stadium. It on- better <laughs> been that way. He better so. be saying that because you know, I think. uh you know, you look at some of these other, you know, you look at some of these other teams, you know, you always see like hard knocks or you see like ESPN, like fight broke out of Florida this year (laughs) during spring ball. I like that, man. I honestly like, uh, it's hard to explain. It is hard to explain. And I'm not, no, by any case, you know, trying to say there needs to be more violence. I actually had a question from, so we put on Twitter and Instagram, I needed some questions. And one of the questions was that, do you think football is becoming, a safer sport. And if so, is it taking away from the game? And uh, that also kind of kind of ties into what we're talking about right now about uh, the chippiness and just the overall attitude that you got to have to play this sport. And you can't, you know, for, I guess that question's a little bit different than what we're talking about, but uh, no, I want to see, uh, I want to see our guys obviously take it out on the, the opponent, but at the same time, you know, even if one of my guys is, is rolling my quarterback up, there's you best believe there's going to be some words, ex, ex, you know, exchange and some uh, some really close helmet action in front of the guy's face to let him know he ain't doing that again. But uh, but anyways, no, I dude, I want 100 percent get it. Believe me, and um, I don't want to seem like I'm a like I'm a barbaric or anything, right? But you need someone. I, like that would be my advice. You need to, your assholes out there. Yeah, sometimes you gotta yeah. be an asshole. You need a, you need you need a screw loose. You walk that guy sometimes. Um, yeah. And I always tell if I ever give advice to young quarterbacks, it's find the meanest, craziest offensive lineman you can on the starting five and befriend him. You need to be friends with him, right? And then Absolutely. whenever whenever you say something you have this guy right in front of you to so you know if you got a problem with me tell him right one of those type deals you need that type of guy you need a type you need the craziest dude around and then i mean it's a power struggle so take your power man pick up the craziest dude i mean you guys you were all crazy though seymour you were your lines were all crazy <laughs> these guys well, seem a little more tame I mean, I can't tell you how many fights I got in personally at practice. And then you had Wes Johnson always trying to get in. <laughs> he was always getting into scraps. Um, and then the year before that, we had Kyle Fisher, who was just an absolute <laughs> lunatic flying down the field. Have you ever, did you see the play when Taylor Wan was up in Richard Sherman's face? Yes. Uh, yeah. th- I, mean, I mean, that was Kyle Fisher. He would get up in your grill, let you know that you are not going to do that again. And I just it adds an emotion. It adds I love that. For me, it adds an emotional level, dude. I, 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 I didn't, I didn't like football that much, and I always struggled so hard to like want to um stay, stay in the game. But when there was that such a high level of competition, and there, it seemed like there was so much at stake because I was like, this guy's getting up in my face. 
Hell no. That those made those kind of things made my day. That's yeah, just why you can't tuck but, your tail. You gotta sit there yeah. and you gotta like you gotta you gotta let them know they're not gonna do that anymore. So okay, real quick, uh, another couple of things I want to get into. Obviously, I saw on Twitter yesterday the new lockers being installed into the uh, in McGugan Center. Mm-hmm. So it looks like this Bandy United thing it might be actually uh, paying off. I saw some. Uh, construction down at the at the end zone. They're obviously putting in some of that, uh, some of the new bleachers and kind of the upgrades over there in the end zone, the new lockers. Um, what is that going to do for us from a recruiting standpoint? You think those those things are going to really boost, um, you know, Vandy's chances of landing some of these big recruits? What do you um, think, Matt? Yeah, go ahead, Matt. What do you think, Matt? So. I think that that's all well and good. And I think it's great to have the facilities and they're always going to be trying to keep up with the Joneses, your Alabamas and LSUs mm-hmm. and Clemsons that all have like freaking like PlayStation fives in the lockers and stuff like that. And that, that that's nice. But at the end of the day, what's going to get recruits is winning. Like that's right. all that really matters. It's nice to have all that stuff, but I would, you know, I, I think it's sort of like a baseline, like you have to have like a baseline, but I, I think at some point there's diminishing returns on that. Now, I know a lot of like a lot of those programs have to invest in mm-hmm. the have to invest in have to invest in something because they're getting all this booster money and they have to churn it to prove that they're using it somehow, some way. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I want to see that money go to, you know, I would I would care way more about the weight room. I would care about those kinds of facilities. Right, right. More kind of like the really fundamental day-to-day. And and staff, like very specific, you know, people on staff. I will, you know, we talked with Jay Crane about like a director of football operations, right, Mm -hmm. Ryan? And we, you know, in strength and conditioning staff, I've seen schools now have specific like mental health staff that are for, that are sort of for the players to have, someone who sort of works with them on the mental specifically on their own mental health and the mental side of the game. I think those are the kinds of investments that can really pay off big time down the line, even more so than having, you know, the greatest of locker rooms and things like that. Because Mm -hmm. if you say, Hey, you know, we're coming in, like we're going to take care of every single part of who you are as a person and not just a football player, but as a person, as well like we know all the schools are going to have the support staff when it comes to academics but one thing that can set you apart is say we have the support staff also that is there to help you with your transition from high school to college both physically and mentally we have people there who are for you know specifically going to be not just doing like your weight training but also you know when it comes to stretching, yoga, all that kind of thing like that. We see more and more sort of like holistic approaches to training. And I think that you could, you would be well served to have like a, you know, I don't want to say like director of mental health or something like that, but people who are on staff who Mm -hmm. are concerned with that aspect, because we've seen so many guys either get burnt out or get overwhelmed when it comes to the mental parts of collegiate football yeah i mean wow i mean there's a lot of pressure these days with everything being so accessible you know with social media absolutely these guys have more pressure than ever and so having someone like that to come in there and obviously you know you're talking with 18 19 20 year old men um you know some of these guys 
Um, so these guys just can't hand, you know, can't handle the being away from home and obviously mm-hmm. having to juggle, having to juggle a full, you know, class schedule on top of, you know, devoting, I don't know how many hours a week into, into, you know, athletics. So yeah, absolutely. You, and you, I, I think the, the one other thing that I'd like to add to that is when it comes is when it comes to, it would be like, you could call it a marketing staff, but who graphics, video, things like that for the promotional aspects. I saw some, <laughs> I would love that. No, no, no. It's, it's seriously though. Like you see no, like some, even some of the news, like I saw, like uh, they tweeted out today, like someone's like someone is like locked in their official for some weekend in June. And the graphic they have for that was, it was like specific to this one player. I'm trying to think of who it was. I saw it on Twitter this morning, right before we jumped in to start recording uh, for Lance Holtzclaw. And I'll, I'll, I'll put it up. I'll, you guys can see it. I'll, I'll retweet it out. Yeah, but I had your bags for a first class visit. I saw that. For a first class visit. And it's yeah. got specific like Phoenix to uh Nashville, like on like his like virtual plane ticket. It's got yeah. all that good stuff, right? Little things like that go a long way. And especially when it comes to advertising and marketing the program. You know, I, I recently started a job a couple months ago and I'm now like living in the marketing world. And it's it, it still kind of blows me away how much of a difference it makes just for like, oh God, I hate this term brand awareness, but you know, little things like that. Like I have always been super impressed over the last couple of years with the social media team and just the media team in general, LSU LSU. Like when I was teaching at a film school, I was using LSU football uh, productions to teach like corporate productions, to teach how to create corporate videos because they were so polished and so professional and it makes a giant, giant difference when it, you know, you, you see the slick looking video that they have and, you know, really nice cinematography and editing. Mm-hmm. That's going to make a huge difference. Just say like, Hey, like check out like this, like quick highlight package that they put together for me. Right. It's a huge thing. No, that, that is big, you know, from just the, you know, like you said, brand awareness, not only is that going to get us recruits, it's going to obviously have an effect on attendance at games, you know, just becoming well more known, you know, making it a cool thing to like Vandy. You know, it's always been kind of like ever since I moved to Nashville in 08 and I said that, hey, I played for the Commodores or I played Vandy football, you know, unless you're somehow affiliated with the school, you know, when you tell somebody, hey, I play for the Commodores, they're like, oh, man, they almost kind of feel sorry for you almost. And like, I want to change the notion to feel like, it's cool to be a Vanderbilt fan, you know, and, and some of that is, uh, is sold through marketing. You know, some of that is sold through brand awareness and, and, uh, you know, people going when they go to, you know, Academy sports or Hibbit sports are like, I want to rock the Vanderbilt stuff because it's cool. Or like, Hey, I saw an ad on TV talking about get your season tickets this year, or maybe talking about someone who's coming there and, uh, I just want to make that, you know, you want to, when you see Vanderbilt, you want to be like, man, what a cool program. They got some really stuff going on, like really cool stuff going on there. You know, that would be nice if we could finally someday get to that point. What are you laughing at, Bruno? I see the wheels are turning. Over <laughs> My only problem with the way Vanderbilt advertises itself is, man, like, and I get it. I get why they do it. There needs to be a certain type of Vanderbilt man. I was never a Vanderbilt man. I was never a Vanderbilt. I don't give a dang about school, man. I want some ball players. Yes. So I'm the same way. <laughs> I don't want no 
digging nerds, man. man I want some I know. guys who are I want some guys who are gonna struggle, find themselves in a better place in life after it's all over, but yeah. who are just like, man, I want to play ball. So there because I've seen so many guys who come in and they're like, made it set, you know. Dude, I lost, I mean, I think I lost four games in high school total. I never lost a regular season game. And when I came into Vanderbilt, I was like, y'all are crazy. Like everyone's mindset was here. It's like, you know, just kind of get by. Yeah. Wanted to party. Didn't really, yeah. wasn't, wasn't really concerned about winning. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. No wonder we're never going to win games. No one even gives a crap around here about winning. They are just trying to be like, get my degree and get out. And uh, man, I, I will say one thing that kind of, caught my attention, maybe Bruno, I think maybe you might've said it about just kind of looking at us overall as a program and where we stand and what our expectations are going into this year. I think you said something like, I don't know if coach Lee's expectations are win three games or go to a bowl, but I hope that's not his expectations. And I hope that's not the program's expectations. It's just go to a bowl game this year. That is crippling just to think, Hey, I got to win six games and we made it. I, yeah, it's my job. As I, know, I know it's stepping stones because we're going on a little, we didn't win a game last year, but uh, I really, really hope that. And again, I always kind of revert back to what Franklin did is that, you know, he made it seem like you got to win a national championship or the, or the season was a loss, you know, or like, if you don't go to the, if you don't win the SEC title, this season was a, an L. And so I hope that's the kind of attitude that coach Lee is bringing in. And you'll only know that if you're a player being in that locker room and being in those meetings. So I don't think we can really speak on that. And I'm, I'm sure he is doing that. Um, I just hope that coach Lee is really utilizing his assistance. Um, and really that is the message that every single coach needs to be hammering on individual meetings. You know, whenever guys get together, you know, even when coaches aren't around, I hope that the players are really buying into this mentality of, you know, last year's Vanderbilt is gone and it's never coming back. Okay. That's the type of attitude that we need to have. Yeah. It's my job. It's my job to be a, it's my job to like, you know, take away my biases and, you know, from that and then give an honest assessment of what I think this team's going to do. Right. That's my job. Right. It's, those, it's those kids jobs and those coaches jobs to just be like, nah, you know, we're going to, we're going to exceed above and beyond. Right. That's their job. Mm -hmm. So I haven't seen, I haven't seen anything from, you know, that tells me the contrary that those kids don't believe in themselves, but yeah. as a standard observer of what I've seen, you know, coach Lee, coach Lee gets to a bowl game. That is absolutely massive. Like just come from a critical standpoint as, yeah, you know, I mean, hell, the, 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 the school will have a freaking field day. I mean, yeah. they'll think they'll hit, they think they hit the jackpot if we go to a bowl game this year, and which is great, you know. And obviously, they're they have the schedule. To they have the schedule to make it happen this year. They kind of do. I mean, at the, their ROC, I think their hardest game would be Stanford, you know. And Stanford's kind of taken a nosedive too in recent years. So. Yes, I mean Stanford's going to be breaking a new quarterback this year. They've got you know they've got a bunch of guys who have you know set out last year they're going to be rusty and stuff like that before we zoom out just a little bit want to talk about our other new sponsor uh canaan sunglasses uh i don't know what you guys have been rocking recently uh on your eyelids but it's time to make your outdoor experiences better summertime with... is almost here baby it is thank goodness uh canaan sunglasses are here for the summertime they're made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that have make their lenses clearer, lighter, and stronger. 
handcrafted Italian frames that are impossible to scratch. So use the exclusive code KANANCAST15 at kanan.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Kanan, clearly better. Got my hands on a pair of these recently. Clearly better. What a great little great slogan, right? What a great <laughs> slogan. Great slogan. I got for some Ray Bans that got so many scratches on them. I can't even like. I yeah. can barely see out of them. Yeah, these ones are they're 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 pretty dope. I'm not gonna lie. I'm 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 a pretty big fan of them. Uh, so let's zoom out just a little bit. Ray Bruno, what needs to happen between now and fall camp in order for you to have? some more confidence in this team to really feel like they're headed in the right direction. I want to see, I want to see the pass protection from the offensive line, not average about three to four, a a spring game or a practice. I want to see it, you know, at least one day where they pull it, put it all together. And that's, that's, that's an everyone type deal. That's on the tight ends. That's on the quarterback. That's on the running back. So it's a whole offensive deal. Pass receivers getting open. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's why the whole line is really important. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to see that from the offensive standpoint, but everywhere else it looked much improved, right? They have the physical ability. Does the O-line have the physical ability? Because it's one thing, I mean, I'll tell you that the guys that we used to put out there, I mean, Andrew Bridges was maybe 240 pounds. Wesley Johnson was maybe (laughs) 270 pounds. I mean, Josh Teleski was maybe 280 pounds. I mean, we didn't have a guy that was over three. I was over, I was right at 300 and was probably our heaviest guy. So like, do these guys have the physical ability to get there? Yes, they do. They okay. So they, do, man. they've got, they've even got a couple of true freshmen who were like there for early enrollees who are some big boys. Delphin Castillo is huge. Yeah. Um, just looking at him. He is a big but offensive boy. Line is, oh, they've, dude, offensive line has been figured out to science, man. It's long and gone the days of, ah, just get, you know, get just a good punch. Mind. The guy. Get yeah. a good, you know, if you're tough, you'll get it done. Like that, you know, these freaks are going no. up against, you know, it's a science. So, and, and people are people are learning at a much faster pace. Offensive line play is just um, it's just like anything else. It's like when me and Ryan were at least when Ryan played, he was in kind of the Stone Age, and then I was in the Iron Age, and now they're in like the Silver Age of offensive line play. It's only going to keep going up. I mean, yeah, when, I mean, it, it has to when you're fight when you're when you're. I was going to say you were at a disadvantage. You're, yeah, you're the defensive line. The, just the kind of body style that we're starting to see a transition into the new, like you said, kind of the silver age. I mean, you're lining up a guy that is 10 times faster than you, probably stronger than you <laughs> just overall athletically could kick your ass, but, <laughs> but offensive line, like kind of Bruno was saying has become so technical these days that you, you are basically you're training to, uh, to kind of outsmart out, you know, your technique in ways that are going to help you in such a manner that you're going to, you're going to be able to, you know, actually perform and actually be able to stop some of these much more athletic guys by just knowing your rules, you know, obviously being consistent and sticking with your assignments. Um, there's ways that you can help yourself as an O-line, even when you're at a disadvantage, just by knowing what to do, how to do it. And I think Coach Blasek, I just following him and seeing, you know, some of his videos on YouTube and being at one of his practices, they're going to get there. I think they are going to get there. I think they got to do a better job. Like I said, in the weight room, practicing those foot drills, you know, doing the ladders, uh, you know, whatever, whatever drills they need to do in the, uh, in the weight room to kind of just practice that footwork. 
um, and just keep practicing it. Keep practicing it. I'm hoping these guys as an O-line are going to have meetings outside of the coaches, you know, coming in once or twice a week, you know, just as a unit, you know, working on passes, just getting your left foot on the line. If I'm a right tackle and taking a vertical set. Okay. Or, you know, getting on the line, you know, straddling it over your crotch and working on kicking out of 45 and getting that left foot on the line, you know, just little things like that. Just repetitions, getting out there. I used to see Russell Okun was one of got one of the guys I was blown away when I first was drafted by the Seahawks. Russell would be out there 30 to 40 minutes before practice would start, just doing two or three things. He would set up on a on a bag on the goalpost. So the goalposts all have bags wrapped around him. So he would set up on a goalpost and literally just work on his first step and work on his first step and punch for literally 30 minutes. He boom, boom, just 30 minutes, just little things like that, just perfecting one or two things that you know you're going to carry into every single practice, every single game, his vertical set. I mean, he would get set. He could kick so fast out of his stance. It was unbelievable. Uh, now, Russell Coon is a pretty, pretty freaky athletic guy. <laughs> but, uh, but no, you know, just little things like that. I mean, you're talking about wanting to see, a, wanting to see our O-line the pass protection. That's something we could, that's something we can get better at. That's not, that's not something you're, you can't excel in. It just takes practice and it just takes dedication. It just takes being consistent. It takes being comfortable. And I, I mean, Cole Clemens, like Cole Clemens is probably the least athletic guy on that offensive line. Um, he's the biggest by far dude's probably weighs the size of a planet. And I always just love giving him a hard time. I always just like, dang Cole, you're the fattest dude I've ever seen, but Cole, <laughs> Cole, is smart enough and he he's smart enough to know at the disadvantage he's at. So he uses his head. I mean, the first thing he lines up a tackle. I'm like, Oh boy, he's up a tackle. First thing he does short set. I mean, it's something that DN probably hasn't seen in forever. Right. And he's like, what the heck? You know, it probably thought it was a run block. So the D line, you know, treats it like a run block. And then, you know, now he has to transition to a pass that took away his whole pass rush. So it's a smart thing to do, but it's like, Oh, why don't they all do that? It's because when you're out there on the field, you get in your stance, you're like, uh, it's three down. Okay, now I look at the three tech, and then me and this guy have this and that guy, and then by you know by the time you know the ball snaps, so people are just trying so hard to okay. figure it out. They're like, "Coach is going to yell at me." Cole lines up. He goes, "I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm a I'm a mix it up. I'm gonna go at this guy using this technique." And yeah. that's that, that all plays to his advantage. You got to be you got to grow up quick as offensive line. You got to be on top. I can simplify offensive line for you. It's really easy. If you're a man, if you're the man side, you got to just play just just set half a man. Okay, just set half a man. <laughs> Okay. If he is, you know, if he's a wide five or whatever, and you're a guard, okay. Take, you know, kick out a little bit and set half a man. All right. If you're to the slide side, it's pretty easy. You got the gap. You pretty much got a gap at that point. Slide side is dope. If you're to the slide side, you got a gap. Okay. It's pretty easy. You just know that if someone runs through my guy, you got to block that guy. But you'll be uh, surprised how many people mess it up, man. The mess it's like up forever. If the guy, if I'm to the slide side on the right guard, the three technique crosses my face. My eyes don't go with him. My eyes stay at my gap or who my backer assignment is. If the backer, okay, if the backer is in front of me and he goes outside the tackle, my eyes go outside the tackle. Okay, and I pick up the end. The tackle picks up the, the freaking backer. I mean, it is pretty simple stuff. But uh, like you said, some guys try to overcomplicate things. Not some guys, like, man. Most. What am I, like, I so, going to do here? Yeah. 
most guys have, are, you know, it's that it's funny, man. It's funny. Cause it's just such, it is unnatural too. It's just unnatural. Like to ignore that guy, you have to trust you, the guy beside you or else yeah. you're going to look like the idiot. Right. So if, if I'm, I'm a right guard and I got a three <laughs> technique and I'm to the slide side and that three technique crosses my face. Okay. My body can go with him, but my eyes are going to continue to be in my gap. Okay. You're going to give the center a little bit of presence. Okay. So you're going to like, power step down okay maybe with that three technique but my eyes are always in my gap so if that dn look if he comes underneath rib, looking for he those comes ribs. underneath or he spins underside i'm waiting i'm licking my chop i'm praying that this three technique crosses my face and the end crosses the, the tackle's face because i'm literally waiting to blow this guy's head off i mean that's fun that's when o-line becomes fun real fun when you're sitting there and you just know that okay I pass this three technique off to my center. I know he's got him. All I got to do is sit here and wait for this end to cross this tackle's face. It's going to be a freaking field day. That shit is when it gets fun. Yeah. So to summarize the point from the offense, I would like to see this O line, you know, they come into their own when it comes to pass pro. You have to be out. You have to, you know, it, there's no tried or true way. 100%. You can scheme it all you want to, but then it becomes Joe's on Joe's. You have to have six, five or six guys beat their five or six guys and hold them off long enough to get the ball off on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, something that when, when we look at the defense, there has been an absolute like what's the tall, what's the tallest waterfall in the world? Niagara falls. Probably not, but just imagine the defense of 2016 was right it's, there. It, and it's, I mean, it's it just, Victoria falls. If you really want to get Victoria uh, falls. I mean, yep. just, I mean, the defense just Matt imagine in. 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. It's just imagine Victoria falls. That's where the defense head. Right. And I mean, it all stems from, at least from coach Mason's scheme, it was the three, four and you need, I mean, you need a Zach Cunningham out there to make all the tackles. The entire job of the D line is to hold those lines so that a guy like Zach can shoot, then cover the field. I mean, it's probably why he has so many tackles and why he's succeeding so much in the NFL and more NFL style, you know, system too. But um, when we lost Zach, <laughs> we lost the defense, man. I mean, we kept most of those guys and it just, we tried to move Orrin inside it, who, who was, it was completely new to him at like right before the season. And it just didn't work, man. Like you just need time. So we need to figure out this inside linebacker position and coach Lee has a different system. He runs the four, two, five, but we need to figure out inside linebacker, man. Cause they looked abysmal at the spring game. It was looking decent. I mean, Ethan Barr was a guy that's really impressed me this spring too. He's one of those, I mean, at least now I got another, I got some ball players with me. So they'll understand when I say, cause I can talk to Chris all they want. I can't look in Chris and be like, imagine me, long-haired blonde white boy that's the linebacker that ethan Barr is right it reminds me so much of um there's this guy i played at florida he ended up getting drafted to the lions first round he reminds me of him a lot i mean he can cover he can cover enough as much as he needs to in the meta of football is around this rpo stuff so obviously you have to watch your underneath as a linebacker then immediately transition to the run right but this guy has done it he's he he goes and gets the tfls he reads the plays so fast like a linebacker should he sees the handoff he sees the guard pulls, he sees the eyes of the lineman, and he's boom, boom, boom on it. So Ethan Barr, but he's just one guy, you know. We're gonna have to have more guys come in, push him, surround him type deal. But he's a guy that has impressed me on the defense. But they need to figure out this linebacker problem that they've had for the because we've had a bunch of recruits come in, you know, and then they phase out, and it's like, what happened there? Dimitri Moore was, you know, all SEC quote unquote watch list before the season season comes around he 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 doesn't play very well enters the transfer portal disappears into the abyss right so these are things that they that they got to figure out Mm -hmm. yeah for sure 
For sure. All right, guys. Well, I think that is going to do it for us here today. Bruno, thank you as always for breaking it down for us. Uh, our, our, our man on the ground. Our man on yeah. the ground there. We we uh, <laughs> we appreciate it. And uh hell of a breakdown, Bruno. Yeah, dude. Thanks. And, and uh, you know, it's the O line podcast. I'm glad we spent, you know, more than fifty percent of our time talking about the important <laughs> stuff. That's right. That's right. It is yeah. the important stuff. <laughs> I mean, we didn't even get into the running backs, which were actually, you know, not 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 so bad. Not so bad at all. I was But if uh, the O line plays well. Exactly. It doesn't matter. It doesn't well. matter how how good or bad the, the running backs are, as long as the, the O line's blocking for them. We're in a good place. We're in a good place. All right, guys. Well, uh, until next time, anchor down. Anchor down, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. Absolutely. Thank you, Bruno. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to the Believe in Vanderbilt Football podcast brought to you by betonline.ag. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.